And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We cover weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes UFC. A little bit more like outside the lines on ESPN, and we're going to lean a little bit further away from analyzing every game, uh, but the most interesting stories that are in sports. Uh, this week, we give you the best of WNBA. We First subject is going to be the WNBA with LA Sparks general manager Penny Toller firing after cursing and saying racial epithets to players after a playoff loss. Uh, this storyline may surprise you that it ended the way it did. And uh, second, we have the NBA in full most motion with its exciting preseason games. And we're going to cover a little bit of the Lakers battle against the Warriors Friday night, October 4th. But third, we have with the looming that college players will across the nation will be able to make money off their likeness for the first time. What are the things that come with this new landscape? And fourth, of course, we're going to go ahead and highlight a little bit of the NFL highlights of week five. What has this week told you about the power rankings? But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed, say something for them. Just want to thank all our listeners out there. Uh, thank you for listening and also subscribe to our podcast, which is available everywhere on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Yeah. Press that subscribe button. You won't even have to remember uh, to be reminded to listen to us. Uh, we're going to have the best of sports but to begin uh we're gonna begin with the WNBA which is not a likely uh first subject but this time it is uh because when it comes to the story of LA Sparks GM Penny Toller and her firing now this story begins with Toller actually being the GM of the Sparks since 1999 and was a part of the WNBA three WNBA championships in 2001 2002 and 2016, scoring the first bucket in WNBA history in 1997. And for background, recently, this year, after Game 2 loss with the L.A. Sparks uh, on September 19th, 94-68 to 68 in the WNBA playoffs, Toller entered the locker room, which is the GM of that team, and begins to get fired up about the loss. She proceeds to curse a lot using MFers, like motherfuckers, so I'm just going to say it, along with the N-word. Uh, going forward, it kind of created a lot of tension between the star players on the L.A. Sparks team. Uh, to And these are actually some really big-name people who are known outside of WNBA and normal sports, starting with Candace Parker. Uh, but to throw along some few three Hall of Famers that were sitting on the bench in this game was Candace Parker, Elena Beard, and Nika Ogumake. Uh, these are three future Hall of Fame players and in very good shape at this point. They're not, not old Hall of Famers, but they're clearly future Hall of Famers. Uh, following this game in game three against the Connecticut Sun, well, Coach Derek Fisher had those three Hall of Famers sitting on the bench 
And before the end of the third quarter, all five starters were sitting on the bench, which is extremely unexplainable when it's a closeout game in a playoff situation. Candace Parker only playing 11 minutes in this game, and the benching had nothing to do with health and more about control that the GM Penny Toller has over the head coach Derek Fisher. Now, Derek Fisher denies that there's being that there was any reason for the benching, but by October 4th, this made such big, new, big news that it led to the owner of the Sparks, Magic Johnson, firing the 20-year GM due to racial epithets she is known to use over a, a period amount of time, but really focused in on the, after that game two loss. Now, I ask, since she is a black female and it isn't misplaced to curse a lot in a locker room atmosphere, do you feel this was about more about her curse field speech or about bigger background issues? I think it's really just a combination of things, especially when we see all these other people, um, older, let's say like anchors on the news. They have all this stuff coming out, how they uh, mess with younger employees back in the day. And now they're being penalized for it. So really, I feel like things are that used to be OK back in the day are not OK now. And everything is put in a microscope. So all of the cursing and using the N word is probably not going to be able to be used like it was before, even though she's been probably doing it for years all of this is looked at in a bad light and no team wants to have that on their in, in their locker room. Yeah. But well, really, I, I don't think it's completely justified since, I mean, she's always been using it and it's, it's really sticky situation when it comes to somebody using the N word, um, whether they're black or white. Um, well, especially if they're not black, but, um, <laughs> but, but for myself, I, I don't really use that word like that. So um, it's, it's just really a, a really sticky situation. Yeah, I, I agree that it's a sticky situation. But uh, just to kind of go back over the question and answer it, uh, do I feel that this is more about the curse field speech or is it uh, about bigger background issues? I kind of think it's about the background actually i don't think it's really either one of those it's, but it's a background thing i think the pr pressure was applied to magic johnson and i think in general they were going to make it hard on him and his other ventures if he did not remove her simply because it became a big story i don't think it's a big deal that she used the n-word i don't think it's a big deal that she cursed because that cursing i don't even think they should have included that in the uh, and the story that they put out on ESPN. But they really did kind of bait you into wanting to read the story because they said she said racial epithets. That would kind of make you think that she was saying, was throwing very big epithets to everybody, which is really just going in. And I'm not going to say epithets here to give you examples. You already know them, uh, as most people do. But that's the way it was perceived. But what really happened was she did what Anybody in a, if it was a coach 
and that was a locker room full of black females, there would be zero thing to actually discuss other than her addressing the team before the coach, which was is Derek Fisher. And all around the actual WNBA, they don't feel he's supposed to be the head coach of that team. And there's more female Sorry, more people who are equipped to coach females than him, which kind of throws in a little mess there, too. I wasn't even aware that he was a coach in the WNBA, but (laughs) he was a coach in the NBA and he got fired, of course. But um, I I have to agree that it's it has to do more with the background issues. Um, That was probably a boiling point and her the story coming out that she used these type of words, it just it just really looked bad in the locker room. And he just had to fire her, even though she had done a lot for the league, a lot for that team. Um, it just all boiled over. Yeah. And it pushes us right into the second question on this. Uh, if this is all about the speech after game two's loss, was Magic Johnson justified by firing her? If it's not about the background stuff. Well, I, I think it is about the background stuff, but I I don't think she it is completely um, justified in firing her. Because if she's always used these words and you didn't have a problem before, why penalize it now? The only reason you're penalizing it is because it's a bad look. And. This may seem a little insensitive because there's so many different campaigns in society right now, but it, it, it mirrors the Me Too movement. But sad to say it, when it comes to any race that can't say the N-word, that's what I, I think it's a Me Too issue. And Magic Johnson probably was put in a very hard position to say, well, first of all, she shouldn't be saying this in a professional setting, which is true. Very true. That That alone possibly gives you reasoning for firing but after 20 years of service with that team and winning championships with them and her overall history uh, i can't fully lean on it's justified but let's say we're going to go down the list the whole first of all she can't say this in a professional setting but if she can say it why isn't it okay that everyone else can't say it if we're being all equal fully around, which is hey, it's many debates for on a non-black racial side to say whether they feel like they should be able to do it also. Yeah, but just don't say it. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> just don't say it. I'm just I, I'm just seeing both sides and I and not saying that I agree with the non-black side, I really don't. Sorry, but I would say that this is just a situation where it, it, it got out. It got out, and when viewed under that microscope that you were referring to, it, it does, didn't look good. And it, it was helped by the players who simply are rubbed wrong, wrong by her simply by her being very intense. But she was clearly wrong when it comes to background stuff, because this spread to the on the court things. Now, you're losing the franchise money by sending these superstars. You're also losing games because you lose money by not being even just being in games. And it's not like the WNBA makes a lot of money. (laughs) 
No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't get a lot of attention either. But I think. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but no, no, go ahead. I think, That's perfect. I, I think um, recently they've definitely gotten more attention because I think on ESPN now they are giving more notifications that WNBA is playing on this day or that day or it's the playoffs. At least for me, I've gotten more notifications. Well, maybe you just pay attention to it more because I still don't think it's publicized enough. This is yes. I, I, I say they they have picked it up. I do agree. They picked it up some, but it really isn't that much. Uh, this is really being spearheaded by NBA players and them knowing that their checks are nowhere near the same. The the last man on the bench of any playing team makes more than absolutely more than any star in the WNBA for sure. And and that's just what it is. Um, The whole entire uh, salary of all the players in the WNBA are less than $5 million. That's just terrible. (laughs) Yeah. But we are to blame. mm -hmm. We are to blame. If we're not consuming the product, then they're not going to, receive the money for it yeah and i actually think they hurt their brand a little bit and and maybe they said she hurt their brand so that's why he had to also fire her um but la sparks are one of the very few teams i know in the wnba and as a knowing teams in actual sports honestly i think they are the biggest wnba known team out there Yes, um, I yeah, I, I would have to agree. Um, what, what's the was it Lisa Leslie? She yes. is probably the most known that I know, and Candace Parker, and I, I don't know anybody else. Yeah, I, I I agree. Those are the biggest names, and I, it really does rem, reminisce to um to what's her name again? Les, Lisa Leslie. Lisa Leslie. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I knew it, but yeah, but it reminisced to her because she, she was a great. She was a great during the era of Shaq also, and they were both doing it on both sides for the Sparks and the L.A. Lakers. But since a lot more people in power are being held accountable for their words, especially in sports, is this the way all big issues will be dealt with in the future, banning them from public view and disowning these figures? Yes, I I do think it's going to be that way. I think this is only the beginning. Um, people are now coming out and getting in trouble for their uh, past things. E- even just even younger people, um, we see that they had uh, racist tweets back in the day. And people go back and dig up their uh, those files. So I-, I think this is only the beginning. And there will be more people getting in trouble for their past things and current. I I agree that magnifying glass is extra magnified. We thought it was magnified in maybe the nineties when it came to media, uh, when it comes to paparazzi, you know, in general circulation of information and sports, but it only grows more and more as each year goes along. There's almost no privacy, but I think, This was something that came up right when you were talking, but I think that the people who have been in power for a good long time, because a lot of these people haven't recently gotten into power. They've been in power. Uh, But everybody's kind of being held by a Puritan type of mental. 
And I think young people or younger than probably 40 are really catching up, are holding everybody to these standards, even though they don't follow them. And and what happened is there was an unwritten disclosure between what you put out and what you don't put out. Uh, because a lot of different, if you can put the microscope on past players uh, before, they would have problems in this current uh, generation of media and how sports are covered and people are covered, which actually makes, not to bring this name in, but to bring it in, LeBron. He has been under the Puritan status for a long while and actually has stood up to it. No scandals, no nothing, which is an extremely hard thing and a hard standard to me. So, yes, I do think it continues, but I don't know whether eventually we just let down this Puritan mental about things. I don't think it's going to get any better as far as the the Puritan mental that you're talking about. I, I don't think it's people are going to let that go. Once just, it's, it's already started. Yeah. Once it's already started, it's going to keep going. More people are going to come out and get in trouble for things that they did in the past or currently. Yeah. And, and just to move on to our next subject, which is going to be De- Daryl Morey, which is the GM of the Rockets in the NBA. Uh, well, he's made, very big news, and it's not for landing Russell Westbrook to the Rockets. It has to do with a tweet, as simple as one tweet that was less than 150 characters, and that means every single letter. He tweeted out support for anti-government groups in China. Well, recently, the connections between China and the NBA has gotten very, very heavy, and a very, just this year, now, the New Jersey Nets has become a uh, – the majority owner is a Chinese billionaire. So it is completely engulfed in it. China is one of the biggest consumers of NBA products, uh, players, and simply everything to do with NBA. They absolutely love the NBA. He has kind of messed up that connection in a way, and I'm, not, I'm only saying messed up because it only depends on, on, on point of view. On this one, uh, but he only simply tweeted support for anti-government, which is the U.S.'s pretty much go-to freedom of speech, freedom of to be against the government if you want to be against the government. Of course, that comes with consequences, especially when it comes to dealing with China. That simple tweet that did not end up being simple. It cut off. Heavy ties that were being built for many years. Now, the Chinese government now has said that they are not going to uh, broadcast the preseason games that are going to be coming uh, coming on recently. Like as of Thursday will be the Lakers versus the Nets. They say they will not be broadcasting these games that where they brought NBA players overseas. And even today, where there was a meeting greet uh, with the Nets with a local school in China, they canceled that event where they were supposed to donate a uh, a training, not a training facility, but a playgrounds facility uh, with the school. And pretty much, not pretty much, they did say they don't want them there. With such a little tweet. Now, just to keep going on just a little bit more, Adam Silver had to respond. Uh, and the immediate effect of this 
was that Daniel Morey was almost kind of shunned by his own organization. They were even talking, getting rid of him. And this is within 24 hours of this happening and a whole lot of backlash, which got Adam Silver, the uh, commissioner of the NBA, to have to respond and respond after that. And his re-response, because his response is simply that uh, in, in the beginning was a little confusing to people and they felt that it left Daniel Morey out and dry. But what happened is he when he reconfirmed, he said that he doesn't he is not against Daniel Morey speaking his mind, but he it is regrettable. So he's kind of towing the fence on this one. But. To kind of throw a question out there and not keep rattling on, do you think that this will affect future relationships between China and the NBA? Yes, it, it will affect it, um, mainly because China, from my uh, memory, I'm not sure if they still are, but they are a communist country. Which yes, means that's correct. <laughs> Which means it's basically everybody's kind of on the same level. Nobody is above anybody else. And I don't know too much about their whole civil thing. Well, well just to kind of give you what communist. Well, as a communist, you're completely controlled by the government. They dictate um, pretty much everything you do, how you do it and when you do it. Uh, down to curfews, if they want to have them, uh, down to how many babies you can have, which has been uh, something that ex existed in China for a very long time. And they've pretty much always been a communist country yes um but I, i'm not sure of their relations as far as all the civil things but as far as daryl maury saying this I, I don't have any problem with him saying that but i don't know what, why he felt the reason to put that out in the public i don't <laughs> well yeah it's an extremely stupid move as the gm <laughs> of the rockets which has heavy heavy ties with China through Yao Ming, who is the president of the uh, Basketball Association and ambassador to China. Uh, that's a that's a big thing to kind of go against a legendary person who's pissed. And, and just to state it, Yao Ming's pissed about uh, the situation. Even James Harden has apologized to China as a country. Yeah, um, he he really shouldn't have said that. Don't make it public. You can say it behind closed doors, but don't tweet it out. That's just too much. Um, and this will affect their relations between the NBA and China going forward. Yeah, it's really going to mess it up because these two countries are on different sides when it comes to morals. Morals are completely different in many different ways. And I don't say one is particularly right versus the other in different ways because it's many different layers to this. Uh, but we're not going to get into those layers. Just on base level, government, uh, the government of Ch that controls China does not want to be told by their partner, a uh, big money partner, that they're in support of their anti-government establishment within their country, um, especially when you're the only person speaking on it and you are a high ranking figure. You, you never needed to do it. But I think he was leaning on the fact that he's an American and he felt that, hey, I can always speak my mind. It's not that big of a deal. But it was incorrect. <laughs> yeah, um, really. I, yeah, it's not that big of a deal if you're a person like us. 
you don't have that high of a position. We can get away with some things that we say. It's not going to be highlighted. But for somebody in his position who is the general manager of an NBA team, which is a, a national thing, that you have to be careful with what you say. And he clearly was not thinking clearly uh, before he sent that tweet. Yeah, he should think a whole lot more. But moving along, the NBA is getting to its second week of preseason, and superstars are starting to play more and displaying how these new this new NBA is going to look. Now, one of the biggest recent preseason matchups on Saturday night, October 5th, sorry about that, I said 4th in the beginning, but October 5th, the Lakers versus Warriors. Now, the Lakers showed off different lineups, and the Warriors, they they came to compete. Uh, but the ending score was 23-101 to 101 with the Lakers winning. Biggest show out of the game would be hands down Anthony uh, Davis. Sorry about that. Anthony Davis. With only playing 18 minutes, he had 10 rebounds, 2 assists, and 22 points points showing if you saw just even just a highlight of how they were working it showed that they moved very well together so i asked did this game make you feel more confident in the new team lebron has built around him or are you, do you have still have a lot of questions really i had no questions going into the season i thought that they would be a great team um, they only confirmed that once they played against the Warriors. But I, I don't think we should take this game into consideration that much. It's a preseason game. The Warriors, I mean, they, they didn't play that well. But talk about um, towers. You got Anthony Davis, LeBron James, JaVale McGinn, and Dwight Howard. I mean, they, they those nobody else is getting any rebounds. That yeah. I mean, they, they look very good, very good. Um, but. This is just the preseason. I, I don't want to get too high. I thought that they were going to be good anyway. Um, this only confirms it. I, I completely agree. They looked amazing. Like, we all know it was preseason, and I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody's trying to hold back their excitement off of one game and not even a complete game from them. But it is hard not to get excited. JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard both had – no less than eight rebounds each with Anthony Davis also having 10. Like you said, they have towers at, at one point, I'm pretty sure they had all three on the floor, Anthony Davis, the white Howard and uh, JaVale McGee. I think they have different lineups galore. I think LeBron as a player coach has reached another level and he is consciously knowing that he's going to step back and let everything work through Anthony Davis. I forgot how good Anthony Davis was. So, yeah, I'm completely confident that the Lakers look like they're going to clearly win the West. <laughs> wow. Talk about overreacting. I mean, I, I know they look very amazing, but to say that they're clearly going to win the West, let's, let's slow down. Let's slow down. Uh, you knew my choice was already going to be them, but I didn't. I didn't need much to already feel like that. I, alone, I had so much confidence in LeBron. Even if they lost this game, I would still feel they had all that. Uh, I had that confidence in this built team, simply off of faith. 
No, I don't even have to lean on faith. That team looked certifiedly ready for playoffs right now. And I, I, I'm sorry, it, it looked like it looked like they they because only because they made LeBron has put in certain safety guards. He's making sure we practice this amount of time. We're, we're making sure we have these amount of lineups. We're going to make sure this is not a problem. He's been across so many obstacles at this point where actually some of the players he is playing with, he had to defend against or he had to overcome. So as far as a coach, they don't need one in this situation. From what you're saying, LeBron is the coach. He's always been the coach. <laughs> Look who he's won championships with. I'm not, I'm not going to say yeah, not just those years because there's years where he had gr- great seasons without being that. But Eric Spoelstra was a rookie coach. Um, Ty Lue, rookie coach. Uh, I'm sorry, but simply off of LeBron's brain, yeah, he is a player coach. At at minimum, he is a player assistant coach. I don't think you can downplay Eric Spoelstra like that. I mean, he is a very good coach. What and has he done since Pat LeBron Riley. left? I mean, the NBA is run by stars, and he doesn't have any. He, he's, he, come on, there's been enough years out here to do something in the playoffs. What, <laughs> what did they have? They, they just got Jimmy Butler. What did they have before that? Uh, they still had Dwayne Wade for a little bit, but I know that really doesn't count. Like he was on his. Yeah, I know. That's why I didn't count it. That's why I'm just like, hey, if you wanted me to give you a name, I can give you a name. But um, and Chris Bosh was hurt for a little while. He he was balling for that like one or two years after LeBron left. But all around, if you're a good coach, you get your your team to the playoffs. Right, simple as that. The the Wizards make the playoffs pretty much every other year. And, uh, I don't know about that. Don't they? They don't not, make the playoffs every year. Not every lately. other year. I'm not saying like every year. Every other year, like literally every other year. It's, it's been a few years since they've made it. Huh. I may be wrong there, but I, it's not like the Heat have uh, the Heat and Eric Spoelstra led team has made it there either. They they did make it. They made it with Dwayne Wade. Remember they went went against the um, 76ers. At, you're right. Actually, you're right because they went last year, right? No, not last oh, year. The year, the year before. before. The year before, okay, yeah, uh, but I, I still I, I, we're getting off subject here, but I still think that LeBron is uh, at minimum player assistant coach because his his mental alone about what he faces and his simple knowledge of the game is, is that important. Yeah, I have to agree. He definitely does do a lot as the player coach. I, I was just saying, don't downplay all of the coaches that he's had. Yeah, I understand. We just got way off subject. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but uh, what's your early predictions on their record this year? Out of 82 games, if all of the main players stay healthy all year, best record ever is held by the Warriors with 73-9 and nine in the season. So what do you see the Lakers' record being this year off of early prediction? Well, they're definitely not going for 73. Well, 74 and 8. They're, they're not doing that. That's just too much work to do. And they're going to load manage. So I feel like they're going to probably go. I, I say they win 55 games. Anywhere from 55 to 59 games, they're going to win. Mm, and, wow. Go ahead, keep on. 
And um, LeBron, he's he's going to do great. Uh, he just might win the MVP. Or it might be Anthony Davis. I feel like either one of them will win the MVP going into uh, this upcoming season. And just to kind of uh, address that one, too, I would think it, I think it's Anthony Davis out of the two, simply because LeBron is consciously making it that way. Uh, like he's he's established establishing longevity by using Anthony Davis and his young body, which is smart. It's just extremely smart. He's he has the game kind of wrapped up in his head, uh, but it's about getting it done on the court with other players. But to answer what I think their record would be, I actually don't think it's going to be less than 65 games. I don't think it's going to be a window between 65 and 70. I don't, I'm not saying they beat the, uh, the best record out there, but I'm saying they make it 65 to 70 simply off the strength of their setup of, t- uh, of rotations. Of, of, I think they have matched in their head good teams that don't include the two star players. Well, I I just don't see them winning that many games, mainly because I feel like they're not going to put too much into the regular season. They're These guys are veterans. They know what it takes to get through the regular season, and you don't have to win every single game, but win the key matchups and also rest your body enough so you have enough energy for the playoffs. So winning almost 70 games, I I just don't see that. I think you under, also un, underestimate how much rest both of them have had. Anthony Davis really hasn't played much last year. Like the second half of that season was in the trash. They they played him what a very few amount of games after he said he was uh, hurt, or well after he said he wanted to be traded. Then he said he was hurt, and then you know they just traded him after that point uh, because it just had to be done. And LeBron was not, for the first time, not in the playoffs, did not have to play summer ball. Like, this is a long time coming that LeBron has not these things. And his and by stats, he actually went up in stats. He actually got better last year than his previous year, which the previous year before that was an amazing year. Well, I, I'm not underestimating, like, how good they'll be. It's, it's more, it's, it's no mainly... Less. Well, well, as far as rest, I think that they still will rest. They're not going to play every single game. They know that the regular season is important, but it's not as important as the playoffs. And Anthony Davis, one thing that they do have to watch out for, he has been injured multiple times in his career. So it's best not to go and push for 70 wins. Just get through the regular season. Get one of the top seeds and just play, just just play it how everything's uh, comes out. Mm. Yeah, well, I, you know, we could both be right. I, well, we can't be both right on the record they're gonna have, but I think we're. Uh, I, I think they push for it, but end up possibly having to rest them, like you said. Um, but. From just the preseason and what little preseason you've seen, has there been any other NBA team that has impressed you as so far? Um, really, I haven't watched a whole bunch of preseason basketball. Um, but from what I've seen, I think the Rockets, they, they look pretty good. Um, they, they're not blowing anything out of the water, but they, they look pretty good. They People forget about them being one of the bigger 
uh, teams out there because they they look at the Lakers, they look at the Clippers. It's like uh, it's going to be the battle of Los Angeles for the Western Conference Finals. But the Rockets will have something to say about that, along with the Warriors whenever Clay gets back. Um, but for now, they they won't be as good. Um, and also the Denver Nuggets, um, they will be good. Um, so I, I, I think the Lakers, they're not just going to run through the West like that. Okay, I hear you. I actually agree with you with uh, your first answer on which team has impressed you most. I was completely going to go with the Rockets also. And it's not simply off of how they played. It's more about their energy and the energy that Russell Westbrook has added to the team. It is He has added a new spark. He's added a new excitement. And... I think that's going to be understated in the situation in the beginning. I just think there's a new energy to them that can that might not be denied. Of course, Harden's still out here pulling off crazy different type of shots and stuff like that. Still scoring 37 in a preseason game. He's they're balling. He's doing what he's supposed to do. It's still his team. It looks like that, but all around their team is most impressive so far. I didn't see much of the Nuggets. And the only thing that might have impressed me a little bit is, I guess, Zion Williamson. But it's not it's really more of the normal, but his normal is still quite exciting. Yeah, his normal is exciting. And also, I did read a little something about the Rockets. Well, Russell Westbrook, he's going to play less minutes than he has throughout his whole career. So it's probably like five to ten minutes less. And also James Harden. So, I, and also, they're not going to play on the court as much as we think together. I think I'm not sure if I read that wrong, but they're not going to be playing on the court together as much. I honestly think that's, that's a horrible kind of idea. Like, <laughs> I think that's well, a horrible I, idea. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know if I read that wrong, but um, no, you probably it, read it right. They, they're they not going to play together on the court as much, so I'm guessing it's going to be kind of like a two-headed monster where there's always going to be somebody going at it on the court. That's a horrible model. I, I just think simply because this NBA is about the playoffs, and how you expect that to work, if you're running that throughout the playoffs, I mean, sorry, throughout the regular season, how do you think that's going to work in the Playoffs, because you need your best two players on the court together at the same time in the playoffs. So, and that that sounds good for longevity over a uh, over a season. Yeah, that's smart. But just coming from that same perspective and thinking that's going to work in the playoffs is delusional. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I I don't like the idea of them playing separately. I mean, the whole thing about them getting on the same team was for them to play together. Um, I hope I'm wrong about that and they're not going to uh, separate them a a lot. Hopefully they play together so they can mesh and, uh, you know, stack up the the stat sheet and also win, of course. Yeah. So what is it that James Harden is the starting quarterback and Russell Westbrook is the backup quarterback? That's what they're making it out to. He's going to play with the second team. I, I don't I don't know how it really is gonna look. Because um, how Russell is Westbrook, Westbrook gonna play? Played. What? Go ahead. So how is Westbrook gonna play with Capella if pretty much James Harden and Capella tend to stay on the on the court at the same time? 
actually in preseason, um, Russell Westbrook and Capella have gotten a pretty good um, really? chemistry Probably. together. So how, then, once again, how are you changing that around? Now you're taking Capella off the court <laughs> and getting Harden, so now it's a different player there. Like th- that just spells for there be a chemistry problem somewhere in between there. Yeah, it does. Um, but I, I'm not sure what they are going to do about that. I, I could be wrong about maybe, that whole story. Maybe they're trying to take the same model of different lineups. They can solve different types of, uh, I guess, setups that they, they'll face with, like, bigger man here or shooters there and things like that. But I think this idea is too separate that it's not going to mesh when you need certain players on the court. It's you're going to be used. I, I just don't see that working and eventually being a problem of, oh, we're playing like this. This is James Harden's team. And now we're playing like this. And you know what? Capella's been doing pretty good with Westbrook. OK, we're going to pull him a little bit over towards this way. Now, James Harden has to start shooting threes. But now you're at the end of the game. You're in the fourth quarter where you need all these stars in at the same time. And it just doesn't work because the spacing's not right. Yeah, um, I could be wrong, or I could have just made that up. I, I'm not no, 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 no. I think you're, I, I'm more than likely that's right because I think that's the type of thinking they would have. I, I just think that I, I'm not just calling them them an incompetent uh, franchise at all, and uh, like I don't think the, the coach is a really good offensive mind, but I think he's possibly over planning and under planning at the same time. Yeah. Um, also, the this is in a highly analytic franchise. They're all about analytics and getting the best out of the players. They but I'm not sure did, what is the best. They probably did trust some nerd. Not to say it like that, but but to say it like that. They probably did uh, trust some analytics nerd to say, hey, this is how you get your max ability out of Russell Westbrook. And also, you know, his knees can take this amount of attention when he takes this step, so he can't have James Harden on this side. Some Something stupid like that. And... I, I I hope that this is just an idea and it gets changed simply for the flow of basketball that I want to see from them. Yes, and I really want to see them both on the court at the same time just to see how it works. Um, I like both of these players, and I really want both of these players to win a championship. I agree. Because just before we move on, just this last part, like, Imagine if Clay and Steph couldn't be on the court at the same time, or they they predominantly did a offset type of teaming. Imagine that. Do you think that would would work? No, <laughs> not at all. And I and it's not like they're the same type of player, but it kind of that's a slight type of tandemness they need to apply if they want this to work. Um, but we're moving on and. Uh, we move into college sports slash pre-college sports. Um, as we covered last week, there is a big change in college sports, the college sports world uh, all around. But in the connection between high school basketball, NCAA college basketball, and the NBA specifically, a lot of high school players are trying to supersede the one-year rule to get to the NBA quicker to make money off their talents. One of the current bigger names trying to do this is LaMelo Ball, son of LeVar Ball, 
been in the news a whole lot, big baller brand, all of the, that in a bus. But LaMelo Ball is the youngest of the four sons. There are four, um, if you know a little bit about them, but you would think it's only three. But LaMelo Ball is currently 6'6 and 180 pounds and has come up as a new potential for the number one draft pick in the NBA, which is to the excitement of his father, LaVar Ball. At age 15, LaMelo Ball was forced to move to Lithuania. He probably had a little agreement in it. I'm not sure whether he wanted to move there or not, but he was moved to Lithuania to play professional basketball there and accepted a next star contract with the sorry the NBL Hawks in Australia. He has shown great talent to possibly be that number one pick in the NBA. A lot of the top talent basketball players are moving to Australia currently to get paid and get around that one year, uh, one year almost required in the NCAA. Side effect of the no pay and when playing in the NCAA. So it's had a big effect on at least college basketball where players from high school who are great prospects want to jump and at least get paid off their image in that one year before they make it professionally. But when it comes to LaMelo Ball specifically, after LaMelo Ball's success in getting paid for playing while building a great hype to possibly be a number one pick, do you think this is the best route for a top prospect to go even though the college college sports even though college sports is showing it will be forced to allow the players to earn money yes um i think this is the best way to go going to australia and these other leagues overseas because you get double the product with making money off of your own name and also getting paid to play while being in australia or these other leagues overseas um, I think we're we're going to see more of that um, with the basketball college players or potential college players who want to go to the NBA and the NCAA. They have a huge problem coming up, coming ahead um, because you have these other leagues where uh, prospects from high schools who can play overseas. Um, the NCAA really needs to fast forward this. Instead of 2023, like do it next year <laughs> because they're going to be losing players left and right to these other professional leagues overseas. Yeah, well, it's it's supposed to come up for California actually next year. And a lot of uh, states are jumping on this bandwagon very, very quickly, um, even as close as like just yesterday. Coach K, uh, head coach of Duke, he's in support of this bill being passed in North Carolina. This is also being proposed in New York, uh, Florida, and a lot of other big uh, states. So it seems like this is going to overrun anything the NCAA wants to do. Um, So, yes, I do think this is a a great model that a lot of players are going to top prospects are going to uh, follow if they want to get around the NCAA. I still think this is the best route because now even with the law, even if all of it went through to every state and nothing really disrupts the NCAA, it's only that you can profit off your 
image or your likeness. It's not you getting profit shared off of your actual labor. And that still is not a part of the deal currently. Um, so <clears throat> top prospects going to Australia where they have a deal with ESPN to broadcast these games is not lacked in being able to see what LaMelo can do. The world is simply smaller. Information traveler travels as fast as you put it out there. So, yeah, I still think this is going to be the best route, even though college uh, sports is being is showing that they will be forced to allow players to earn money. I, I think it's really a good thing. It, it creates competition. Um, players don't have just one option to go to when it comes to the next level. They can either play here in um, America with the NCAA college or they can play overseas and make money and make money off their own name um, while playing in a professional league. Yeah. Uh, so I, I completely agree. Uh, but to go to another question here with other states soon to sign similar laws as California has to let players earn money. How long do you think it takes for the NCAA to jump on board? Really, I think it takes as early as next summer for the NCAA to jump on this board. There's too many players that they're going to miss out on if they don't fast forward this whole rule. They, they really need to just stop um, stalling and go ahead and let these players get paid for their own likeness. I really, they sh I really think they should just start this as soon as next year. Why wait until 2023? What's, what has to take place for these players to get paid? Like, I, I don't see the whole waiting process. Well, the NCAA hasn't agreed to any of this anyway. They're, they're yeah. still outside. They haven't even shown that they're even likely to do anything like this. So I think the balance has already been... It's already been uh, been tipped over. The balance is tipped over already with L.A. with sorry, not just L.A., but uh, California doing this. It's already locked over everything. That's why Coach K has already came out about support of it. I, that's why certain uh, coaches are coming out in support of it, because they're losing recruits currently as we speak, because I think some of these high school players out here are looking to build super teams, whether it be football, basketball, or whatever, because this encompasses all college sports. Now, let's say right now you can't get somebody to agree to sign with you because, hey, they're looking at a California school because they know they can get paid next year by a California team. And even if the NCAA locks them out, they're still getting paid. Uh, and I think that's a something that's already tipped over the scales so that the NCAA – they won't have a choice in getting on board, but I don't think that any of this is going to be – it's not going to exist how we see it now at all in the next year and a half. Yeah, um, but really, I, I still go back to why does it take that long? Why does it take four years to get this to process? Because the players that are playing currently, they're not going to receive any of this benefit. It's going to be those players that are, I would say, somewhere around ninth grade. They're, they will be the first ones to get that. Well, uh, just to kind of up the timeline, is actually is going to be next year. 
for oh, California. Okay. Like okay. They have, they have uh, to confirm it's it's going to be next year. Um, but yeah, go ahead and say that. Uh, whatever you're going to say about, I would say not whatever, but uh, which one to say about that? Because uh, I uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, I think that was it. I, I was just asking the question, like, what takes so long for this? Well, that's war? that that's just California. But I think once again, the uh, the balance has already been tipped over. I think it's down to the day that they sign sign the bill because it's open the floodgates. Any player that's currently there in California and takes money today, do you really see them being punished next year? No, it it doesn't make any sense for them to be punished. I know it's exactly. still under the rule, but it, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. It, which means this players right now, they can start getting money without really having a real threat of being punished. I, I just think it's, the scale is already bumped over uh, that. If I was in California and I'm the man, I'm I'm going to get some money right right now. Like as soon as he signed that bill, I'm going to get something off my image, even though the NCAA has not approved it, because more than likely they're not going to approve it within this uh, next year. But California will be going forward with theirs, which is just going to create a situation where they form their own Big Ten or whatever you want to call the conference and get this ESPN ESPN money that's going to come their way anyway. Uh, but um. Do you see LaMelo Ball being an all-star in the NBA NBA from what you've seen so far? Um it it looks like he'll definitely be something to reckon with, but it's hard to really project whether he'll be a star because you've seen players be very good in the NCAA or overseas but not do as well in the NBA. Um I don't know if he is really that type of transcendent player where he's going to be somewhere like uh, even just a Zion Williamson. I, I don't know if he's really going to be that, but I think he will be a, a pretty good player going into the NBA. Uh, I From what I've seen, I think he's going to be a must-see player. He's already been must-see enough that we've kept up with him and his family all the way to Lithuania and to Australia. That alone proves a little bit, and he had to do it on the court also. He's been playing professional basketball since he was 15 years old, which kind of is remnant of Luka. Not every player is going to be great, but simply off of his growth in these past few years, him being 6'6 and 180 pounds, he still has growth spurts to go. And I think he's been conditioned enough that I think – He becomes an all-star. I don't know about a superstar, but all-star, yeah. Not not in the first two years, but I say going into this third year, he he will probably be on his way to making an all-star game. Yeah, he yeah he he just might become an all-star, but it's really hard to project. It is, it is, because he can easily be a bust, but I don't think he's gonna be anywhere close to a bust. Now we move to NFL football for week five in its highlights. What has it told you about the power rankings? We start with the Cowboys when they face the Packers on Sunday. Now, it was a very bad ending for the Cowboys and the Cowboy fans. Cowboys lost 34 to 24. That score is actually quite deceiving because most of the game, the Packers had control. Um, it was far out of hand before the end of the game and where they got made it close. So I ask, 
if you watch the game, how overrated do you feel the Cowboys are now that you've seen them against two good teams? <laughs> well, I, I don't think they are overrated. I think they were still a pretty good team. I think they just really got tested. Like Doc was saying, they were smelling themselves a little bit too much, and they didn't think too much of their competition. Well, their first three games, they didn't have too much of a competition, but when they faced some real teams, they took L's in both of those games. But I think they were smelling themselves a little bit too much, but I think they were a very talented team. Uh, I can't. I, I think they're quite overrated. When you face the Redskins and Miami out of your first two games and you start smelling yourself off of those two wins, yeah, you're probably going to be overrated if you're getting smacked by the good teams like the Packers. Um, and who did they play last week that they lost to? They lost to the Saints, but they didn't get smacked. So, yeah, they lost, but they still shouldn't have lost to the Saints with their starting quarterback out. I, I just... Well, the Saints are undefeated since that time. I I still hear you, but they're still not supposed to lose to them. With with a well-equipped Cowboys team, you should not be losing uh, at all. Uh, Simply, I don't think you should have. I don't think they should have lost the Saints game. They got smacked by the Packers, so so I, I don't know what to say about that one. But yeah, you shouldn't have lost to the Saints. Yeah, I, I don't think they should have exactly lost to the Saints, but really going into that game, I thought that they, I thought that they would lose to the Saints because I thought they might smell themselves too much, and the Saints are pretty mad about losing that game from last year, so the Saints were very determined to beat the Cowboys, but okay. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they really should have lost to the Packers. They were playing at home in mm-hmm. Jerry World, and the Packers, they did not have Devontae Adams, their number one receiver for Aaron Rodgers, but then they let Aaron Jones run all over them. It was it was just terrible. I agree. So they, I think they're quite overrated. I think they're <laughs> very much overrated. Um, they're best showing to show who they are, even when you get a second chance at showing who you are and everything's in your favor. You're at home. Your players are healthy. Uh, they're supposed to be, still be a great team. I think you're heavily overrated if you cannot show that like they got smacked in the beginning of that game. Like it, it, it that score does not look like what actually happened to that te- game and that team. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people turn the TV off. So I would say they're heavily overrated. Well, to that degree, I guess they are overrated, but I don't think they're a bad team. I, I think they're still a pretty good team. They are a top ten team, top ten team when it comes to the NFL. I think they were just smelling themselves too much, and they thought that they could just walk in and beat the Packers. Yeah, the Cowboys aren't a bad team, but they are at least a kind of bad team because they just played play the bad team. The bad team was Miami and, and the uh, Redskins, who they fired the coach of the Redskins just uh, not too long ago, and we'll get into that uh, this week. And Miami's intentionally trying to lose. So, yeah, I know they're not a bad team, but trust me, they are at least a kind of bad team. No, I'm not going to go that far. I still think they are better than the Eagles and a lot of other teams in the NFC. 
Okay, well, because that pushed me to the second question. Uh, do you see them bouncing back and winning the division with the Cowboys being three and two, Eagles being three and two also, and winning 30, 31 to six against the Jets, the Giants being two and three and losing twenty eight to ten, and of course you got the Redskins who are zero and five, just fired a quarterback, but they lost thirty three to seven. So, do you see the the Cowboys bouncing back and winning and winning this division? Yeah, I definitely see the Cowboys bouncing back. I, I think that they will definitely humble themselves. Well, they have been humbled by the past two games, and they will really do great going forward from here. I know they have an easy game to play in the Jets. Um, they shouldn't have too much problem with that. But I think the games that really count when it comes to the Eagles, I think they're really going to come up for that. They're going to win those games because I just don't trust the Eagles. I don't trust Carson Wentz and his health. I don't trust all of their receivers. And I really can't say I trust their defense either. I, I, there's just something about the Eagles I just don't trust. Okay. I, I actually completely agree. But to answer whether I think the Cowboys bounce back and win the division, the Northeast, uh, the NFC East, I think they win by default. And that's the only reason why they win, because, uh, yeah, I agree. I don't trust the Eagles. I don't trust Wentz, uh, his his recovery. I, I, I just don't trust the Eagles and them getting up for games that aren't already easy and they still lose some of those. Giants, you know, they're still trying to figure themselves out. Saquon Barkley's hurt. Uh, so all around. And they made the Vikings look good, so I can't. There's zero trust there. And of course, you got the Redskins who are 0 and 5. There's zero hope there. So, yeah, I, I say they win, but they only win by default. And if they lose to the Jets next week, it's going to be a sad day. It's just going to show how bad they are. And I still think they'll win the division. <laughs> well, if they lose to the Jets, then they're definitely highly overrated. What, well, what I just said. Sam Donald is coming back uh, next game. Uh, the guy who had mono uh, for the first part of this season, he's coming back this uh, game. I don't know whether he's actually in game shape for it, but he's coming back. But that really shouldn't matter at this point. Even though the Jets had whatever that guy's name is, the, the backup quarterback, they were still going to be an okay team with just Sam Donald. I, I, don't, I don't see how they're going to beat the Cowboys. Uh, I would... If I was betting, I actually would go bet on the Jets in this game just because it's an unlikely game for them to win, and this is the type of games that Cowboys lose. The games that you just, yeah, there's no way they lose this game. No, not the Cowboys. They're they're just too good this year. Yeah, I, I still think that's what happens. I'm not sure who the Eagles play next week, but I think both those teams lose. I think Cowboys lose next week. I think Eagles lose next week. I'm not sure who the Giants play, but they they might win that game. I don't. They're a wild card. I don't think they win the division. I just they think they're going to win more games than they're supposed to win. Well, the Giants play the Patriots on Thursday, so I don't. Oh, think wait, that's never mind. Happen. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Then no, I read. Let's let's turn that around. I think the whole division is catching L's next week. Cowboys <laughs> getting the L. Eagles getting the L. Uh, the the. Giants getting the L, and I don't even care who the Redskins play next week. If they're playing a high school team, they're, they're catching the L, too. They're actually on a bye week, so they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, there you go. They probably are out there playing against a high school team to get better. No, no, actually, I'm wrong. They play the Dolphins. So oh, they, okay. They Once win. again. <laughs> they might win. We didn't lose. You never know. 
We didn't lose. That's still a high school team. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, the Eagles play the Vikings, which is a definitely losable game. Yeah. And I, that's, I, I think that's crazy that the Redskins, it's going to really be who wants it less because the I, we already know Miami Dolphins are going when it comes to Redskins and uh, Dolphins we know the Dolphins are trying to lose a game but we're going to see just how bad the Redskins are if they lose this game really I I think actually I think the Dolphins are just slightly better than the Redskins I think so too but I think because they purposely purposely want to lose they'll lose the game but I think literally they're going to try to lose the game and not lose the game I think that might be the situation that's kind of confusing, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I know it's confusing, but I just think that the Redskins are just that bad. They're going to they're gonna try hard and still lose, and Miami is trying to lose so bad that they, and that simply things are just going to fall their way just because the Redskins are just that bad. Yeah. Um, it'll be a battle of the... The worst. <laughs> yeah, the worst teams. And that's two of the teams that the Cowboys put in their whole uh, smelling themselves on from the first three games. So, yeah, you, you see what they're working with, and they're probably still going to win the division. Um, but, yeah, we're keeping on the Redskins, uh, the Redskins fired their head coach, Jay Gruden, uh, this past weekend. He's been kind of uh, lackluster when it comes to the media uh, about dressing, addressing his team in total, whether whether he's having a – which quarterback he's going to start, uh, what his game plan is. And he kind of knew that this firing was about to come. But there's a bigger question here. Is this a Jay Gruden problem or is this an organizational problem when it comes to the Redskins? I think it's both. I think the organization is run by an owner who wants to be like Jerry Jones and get his hand on everything and tell his coach what to do all the time. And I also think that Jay Gruden, he's just a mediocre coach. He's just really not that good. He's probably better fit for a coordinator position. He's I, I had never really heard of any of his work before he uh, became the head coach for the Redskins. And he's probably just going to end up as another coordinator going forward from here. His biggest claim to fame is being the brother of John Gruden. Simple as that. He has not had a winning record before that point. He's only a relative of John Gruden, who we hold in high esteem because one Super Bowl, which if you knew about that time, I still count that as Tony Dungy's uh, Super Bowl because he built the team. He spent a lot of team with the time of that team and was almost towards the Super Bowl the year before that. But that's getting off subject. Uh, so I think but the, the my answer is it's not a Jay Gruden problem, though. It just isn't. It's an organizational problem. And my example of it being an organizational problem is when the Patriots coach, players, Tom Brady, uh, all of them saying that there were more Patriots fans at a Redskins home game than there were Redskins uh, fans. And they so overwhelming that they really felt that they were at a home game. That lets you know it's an organizational problem. We're, they're not out there. Uh, they're not fans that are Redskins fans are not there just because Jay Gruden is not the coach. They, I'm sorry, because he is the coach. 
they're not there because the organization of the Redskins is a simply it's simply a mess. Yeah, it's a big mess. Um, the Redskins haven't been good since I don't know when. Maybe exactly. Whenever I, maybe whenever I was born. I have no idea. Nah, they weren't even good then. I don't even think. I'm sure because uh, I, I was alive during that time and I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Redskins they they just have been bad for so many years. They might have had one good season, but really nothing to write home about. The the Redskins. They've been run by, I think his name is Daniel Snyder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to be the Jerry Jones for the Redskins. He wants to have his hand in everything. He wants to be involved in everything, all the decisions, which he should be involved in the decisions, but not to the point where it oversteps the coach and general manager and weighs down the team. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, last question about the quote-unquote Redskins, um, the the franchise nickname is quite controversial. Uh, it actually refers to scalping Indians. Uh, it actually relates back to the uh, war and, well, uh, when America was colonizing the country and they pretty much, you got money for scalping Indians, which call that when you peel back the skin, just not to be too graphic, but I'm being graphic, that was the red skin. That is actually where the nickname comes from. And it's highly controversial, uh, as most people don't fully know that um, uh, base for the name. Um, but I ask, is it about time for a change of the name of the franchise? And would that seem to fix their issues with the community? I don't think that's going to really fix their problems with the community. Um, I think not too long ago, there was a controversy about them changing the name. Like they, there were people who were calling for them to change the name, but the owner, he was adamant in not changing the name. And he said he had talked to supposed Native Americans that said they had no problem with the name, which I don't totally, um, feel like that was an actual poll that was really taken from actual Native Americans. It's probably just some friends or something or somebody he paid. Well, yeah, they did. They actually did pay a Native American guy to come out on the field and like wave and pretty much validate uh, the non name change, which is weird. Yeah, he they wrote that. I mean, I think I'm I'm really not sure how far well, how long ago that was. It was really probably maybe three years ago. At max, at max yeah. five years ago. Yeah, but really, it's really. I, I think it probably is a time for a name change, but that's not going to solve their problems. It, it's really the owner that's really going to have to change for them to move forward from here. Well, I think it begins the change. I think it gives people to uh, an ability to root for something different. Uh, and it, it, honestly, it couldn't hurt because at this point they're losing more and more fans, dedicated fans. Because like, I know some dedicated, hands down Redskins fans, and they're more not fans because the teams have simply sucked for a long time. But that might be a residual effect of all the negative energy that surrounds the franchise. Um, 
Now, we we move on to the Thursday night game, which seems like a long time ago because uh, we're coming up on the next uh, Thursday night game. But this was a great matchup ending with a 30-29 to 29 score. It's a matchup between the Seahawks versus the Rams. Two very great uh, matchup of teams and divisional matchup. Uh, like I said, the end score was 30-29 to 29 with the Seahawks coming out on top. This brings the Rams to... Three and two, the Seahawks to four and one, the 49ers as of the Monday night game, four and oh, and the Cardinals sitting somewhere in the back at one, three and one. That extra one is a tie that they they created in the first uh, game of the season. But I ask, with most of the teams with a winning record in this division, who is really at the top of the NFC West? It's really hard to say. Um, I really think I really think that the Seahawks are, are a very good team, mainly with Russell Wilson. I feel like he's definitely carrying this team a lot. I don't think their defense is really that great. They they are a competent defense, but they're not a really good defense. Um, he also has a, a I would think a pretty good rushing attack most times, um, but they do it by committee. But I think overall they're a pretty good team. And then the Rams, they definitely have a lot of weapons. Um, a slightly injured Todd Gurley, who has the um, arthritic knees. And I, I think their defense is really up and down. Um, and then we go on to the 49ers, who are undefeated. I think all of their parts are pretty good, except their quarterback. He's the only one that I don't trust. He's the only one. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the only one that I feel like is going to let them down because, I mean, their defense looks really good, especially last night against the Browns. I mean, the Browns couldn't do anything. Yeah, but I, 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 re- I really don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so really my answer, I would have to trust Russell Wilson the most, and I think the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC West. Yeah, um, I, I'm not saying – completely agree because yeah that's my team and everything Seahawks um but this was a very hard question I I knew when I proposed it um because if you watch the game the Rams were one field goal away from being that four and one team that the Seahawks are and the Seahawks were one field goal away from being the three and two team that the Rams are so it's hard to even say who's exactly the better team between those two teams now the team that looked better would be the Seahawks but they could have easily lost that game. Once again, they throw in a big loop in this with the 49ers being undefeated. I, it's actually quite disrespectful that we are even looking at any other team to be the top of the division when they are one of the two, one out of two teams that are currently still undefeated. Um, but after even saying all of that, I agree with you. It is the Seahawks. And it's simply because I trust Russell Wilson, like you said, also. I don't really have much trust in Jared Goff and Garoppolo. I'm not quite sure what he can do and what he can't do yet. He's shown different phases in different parts of his, what, three-year, four-year career. I, I'm not sure what to expect, but uh, I know we're disrespecting this 4-0. and We really are. And Seahawks could have easily been the third team in this division by one field goal, 
if the field goal kicker hit it. But I'm still going with the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm still going with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, he's playing on another level. He's basically, um, I think, the MVP favorite right now. And the the 49ers, I am disrespecting them a little bit, but it's mainly because of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's, I mean, people may think that he's playing very well, but he hasn't. He's he's playing actually very mediocre. Um, I, I think it's really Kyle Shanahan and his offensive line who's really making him look good. Um, but the the defense for the 49ers, I think they are for real. They they really had their um, coming out party last night against the Browns. Yeah, I, I think uh, what the Seahawks really need is that somehow to get Jalen Ramsey and they can solidify themselves uh, a little bit more at the top of that division. But I don't think there's going to be much separation from the teams in this division. Uh, I think even the Cardinals are going to win some of these games against the Rams, Seahawks, or 49ers because they're just still divisional games. And I wouldn't count out Kyler Murray, but I still don't think he get, they come close to winning a the division. They're just going to upset the records of some of these higher-up teams. Um, but um, moving to the next question, uh, which quarterback showed you more Thursday night? Was it Russell Wilson with four touchdowns and 268 yards, or was it uh, Jared Goff with going 29 of 45, 49, one touchdown, 395 yards, and pretty much a – not pretty much, but a 44-yard field goal away from winning against the Seahawks? Well, it's definitely Russell Wilson. Um, he definitely stays consistent when it comes to his play. He's always um, very good at, at escaping. Um, multiple players trying to tackle him, getting out of the pocket, and just making that amazing throw. I mean, that was a ridiculous throw. I mean, I, I just had to stop and look in amazement how good that throw was that he had to the back of the corner. That was ridiculous. I, I mean, I thought he was throwing it away. Yeah, but uh, uh, Jared Goff, he, he, he actually played well. Um it was one of his better games. I know he puts up a lot of stats, but if you really watch the game sometimes, he he doesn't play well all the time. Um, but I think this is one of Jared Goff's better games. Yeah, and I, I, I'm leaning towards Russell Wilson also. The four touchdowns was quite impressive. Control of the game, and he continues to impress and let you know he belongs in the good old boy section of the M- the NFL quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning uh, at one time, along with, you know, uh, your boy Eli over there. But, you know, that's just here and there on him being in that list. Um, but, yeah, I would say it's going to be Russell Wilson. Jared Goff did bring them back uh, in a position to where they could win the game with the field goal. But he also threw an interception, the possession right before that. So uh, that disqualifies him for being as quite as impressive because Russell West, sorry, Russell Wilson had four touchdowns and controlled the game. Yeah, um, Russell Wilson, he definitely controlled the game. Also, they had a very good rushing attack, which the, um, the Rams did not have a very good rushing attack. Um, Todd Gurley only got about 50 yards, but on the other side, uh, the rushing attack for the Seahawks got their leading rusher had 127 yards rushing, which that very—I mean—that played a very good role in them winning the game. And of course, Russell Wilson playing well. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, so we move on to our last subject and moving into the questions after this. Uh, it's going to be the NFC South, where the Saints are 4-1, and one, and they won against the Bucks 31-24. to 24. The Panthers are 3-2, and two, and they also won 34-27 against the Jaguars. Bucks go to two and three, losing to the Saints. Uh, and then we have the lowly Falcons at the bottom of the division at one and four, losing 53 to 32 against the Texans. What to ask, uh, what has these teams shown you through these first five weeks, good and bad? Well, for the Saints, it, it just continues the thought of them being a very well-rounded team that even without Drew Brees, they are still one of the top five teams in the league. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he's definitely a capable quarterback. He was a starter in the league before he got to the Saints, and he just continues to show that. And he's playing pretty well, but I, he's not playing on a Drew Brees level, nowhere near that. Um, and then I move on to the Panthers. Their defense is definitely playing well. Their defense is showing up. Um and also, Christian McCaffrey definitely he he's definitely keeping up pace with um, everybody else in the league. Like he's doing a very good job. He's really carrying the offense on his back because the the backup quarterback Kyle Allen he's playing okay. He had a very good first game against the Cardinals, but since then he's been turning over the ball. He he has not been that great of a quarterback. Um, then I'll move on to the Bucks. Um, they're just an inconsistent team. Um, they, I, I don't know what to expect from week to week. They have a pretty good offense, but when, when their defense is just lackluster, I, I don't, I don't trust them at all. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not going to back off them <laughs> still getting, doing well with, uh, James Winston. Uh, yeah. and, and then the Falcons. Wow. They, they're terrible, especially on defense. They, they, they're awful. They are garbage. And they are not going anywhere at all. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree on pretty much everything, but I'm going to say it a little different way. I'm going to start backwards on this, and, and I'm going to start with the bad. The bad is clearly the Falcons. Hands down, the Falcons. They're one in four. They don't noticeably have any of their star players hurt. And they were just in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. It is ridiculous with the injuries to, in the rest of the division for them to be at one and four. It's actually crazy that they haven't been good since they were able to simulate crowd noise, if you know <laughs> that story. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what's shown me that the Falcons are simply not, – they're not a bad franchise because I think they're a well-run franchise. They're just – for some reason, can't get it together. I think it's mental. Now, uh, moving a little bit along, I, I would say, and I'm going to kind of speed through this one, Bucks. it shows me that James Whitson can be a starting quarterback. It's just about him making another step. Like, he, he he's competitive now. Uh, he could win a game or lose a game any week. Uh, that's that's the best thing you see about that team. Uh, the Panthers showed they're a well-rounded unit and that K Christian McCaffrey is in the running for MVP this year. I, I just didn't uh, understand. I didn't know that he was such a great value uh, pick when they picked him up. Um, 
on this team. He is now the new star of the Panthers. I don't think Cam is anymore. I think this is now Christian McCaffrey's team, and they must work around that. Uh, no slow the, down there. What, uh, yeah, and then the Saints, it shows me they're a well-trained unit, and they were smart to lock up Teddy Bridgewater last year to that big contract, even though he's a backup quarterback. Yeah, but let's slow down on the Christian McCaffrey is the bigger star of the team. Cam Newton still is the star of this team. He runs this team. And whenever he gets back, they're going to get on a roll. Because I don't think their backup quarterback is that great. I mean, he came in that first game and played very well. But ever since then, he's he's had a drop-off. And everything has been run through Christian McCaffrey and the defense. And that's why I think Christian McCaffrey is going to uh, – be heavily in the running for MVP of the league this year, uh, especially since Cam has been out. I just think since Cam has changed in many different ways and, and simply off the average uh, that a NFL player can play in the league and be productive is very low. Even just having an NFL career uh, tends to be under three years. I'm not putting Cam Newton specifically in the three-year box because he's already exceeded that, but him going vegan him having being a wanting to be a a star beyond NFL and all of that stuff is simply getting in the way. And they their best thoughts are set on Christian McCaffrey, his youth and his ability. Yeah, but running backs only last for so long. You you can't your your franchise can't run completely on a running back. You really need that quarterback to really put you over the top and get you to the Super Bowl. Because that is the the goal at the end of the day, and when it comes to Cam Newton, he's clearly a quarter, he's clearly a better quarterback than their backup Kyle Allen. Yeah, I agree, but I'm not sure whether uh, the team runs best. I, I'm not heavily, I'm not heavily against Cam at all. I just think you may at least review what's going on simply due to the results you've gotten since he's been out. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Yeah, you, you would have to review it and maybe, I guess, run the team more around McCaffrey, like you were saying. Because I'm not saying he shouldn't be the best. I'm not saying he shouldn't be the starting quarterback because, hands down, it should be Cam over whoever. I can't even remember the backup's name right now. Kyle um, Allen. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to remember it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I still think. Cam is better in that position. I just think they're they're better off thinking in their mind that things are built around McCaffrey. Uh, simple as that. But um, moving along, uh, who has shown you they have a better team unit uh, with their QBs out? Panthers or Saints? The Saints have a better team. They have all type of weapons on offense. Well, it's mainly Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara on their offense and their defense is very good. I think they are a top five defense on, on most days and they can get turnovers. Um, Michael Thomas, he continues to impress. I, I think he had close to almost 200 yards receiving and a touchdown in this game. Um, the, the saints, they're just a well-rounded team, even without Drew Brees, the Panthers, they, they still are a pretty good, well-rounded team. Um, but I think the Saints probably have a slightly better um, defense and just definitely better weapons on offense. 
I would think Alvin Kamara and McCaffrey, they are pretty good. They're pretty close in talent, but I think Alvin Kamara is probably better. He's more elusive and slippery. And um, as far as the Panthers receivers, none of them are, I, I, none of them are anything to write home about. They, they have some quality ones, but they're not anywhere near Michael Thomas. Yeah, I would say that the Saints are more well-rounded with a assortment of stars. The Panthers are built on defense and their running game. That's what, that's their best parts right now. Simple as that. Uh, they're just a different type of built team. I think Saints are built for longevity and winning a Super Bowl. Panthers are good for, at their best, a good season. <laughs> that sadly, that that is true. <laughs> uh, but uh, last question before we move to the question uh, to the trivia part, which is going to be three questions. Uh, but with the Chiefs. Loss on Sunday and the Patriots seeming limited, even in a win against the Jets defense. Are you more worried about uh, the Patrick Mahomes injury affecting the rest of the rest of his season or more worried about Tom Brady not being able to trust his O-line? I'm more worried about Tom Brady not being able to trust his O-line on top of their depleted receiving core. Because um, they still have receivers dealing with injuries, along with Edelman and Josh Gordon. And then uh, Philip Dorsett, he even exited early in that game. Um, So the Patriots, they don't have too many weapons. Uh, They really need their rookie wide receiver to come back just to open up the playbook some more. Um, I, I don't have too much concern with Patrick Mahomes' ankle injury. I think they just played bad. When it comes to that game against the Colts, the Colts really um, took Patrick Mahomes out of the game by running the ball really well. Um, their defense could not take it. Um, the uh, Jacoby Brissett, he was kind of basically a game manager because the everything in the offense went through Marlon Mack, the running back, and the Chiefs they just couldn't, they couldn't handle the run. Patrick Mahomes he wasn't able to capitalize on all of his opportunities. And also his ankle injury probably played a part in that. Um, but I don't have too much uh, too much worry in Patrick Mahomes and the offense struggling going forward from here. I, I of course, I, I agree. Uh, I think the Patrick Mahomes thing is uh, at max a four-week issue, at a max. And I don't think it's that long of an issue. It might even be solved by next week. He'll probably be wrapped up a certain way or something like that. Uh, he's actually still projected to start next game. I don't know whether that's a good idea, but that's what he's projected to be. Um, even though they lost and the Patriots won, I am more worried about Tom Brady not being able to trust his O-line. The Patriots from week, I say two, I wouldn't even say week one, week two, because week two they got uh, Antonio Brown. From week two to week five, they went from looking like the 73 and nine, but winning the championship warriors to the hurt warriors of this past playoffs. That's what they look like now. Uh, it's, it's just, it's crazy. The transformation between how much talent we felt they had only a couple of weeks ago to how hurt they seem right now. It's not that they don't have talent on their team. They're just too hurt. And 
it actually now looking like they have a lack of talent. I don't know how it flips that quick, but it's just what it looks like. Yeah, they definitely do have a lack of talent. Um, and also injuries. Injuries oh, are playing a very big part in this. And I think it's because Josh Gordon also is not performing because I, I, I can't remember who else we were thinking made him uh, seem packed, but it's Josh Gordon not playing well. Yeah, um, people are saying that he looks very big. He's playing at his heaviest weight that he's ever played at. So I'm thinking it's probably a conditioning problem for him. And Edelman, he's dealing with a rib injury, but it, I think he'll he'll play through that, of course. And uh, they just have other injuries all over the place, especially the offensive line. Yeah, it's it's going to end up canceling out uh, Tom Brady's last couple of years if he doesn't really get a, a good line there because he, he has no ability to scramble. Uh, he never really had that much ability to do that, and they need him for the playoffs. Uh, De- definitely. But yes, his, uh, his pocket awareness is actually pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah, he's, he has pocket awareness, but he is not a scrambler. He's not going <laughs> to move like – I just don't, he's, yeah, I just don't see him moving a lot in the pocket. He has a great awareness. He knows when he needs to get down, when he needs to throw it real quick to the flats or possibly avoid a very big hit. But him moving out of the way, it doesn't happen. Well, he, he does move. He, he did have a scramble. I mean, he, he messed up his knee brace in this past game. I guess, yeah, I guess, because he showed uh, scrambling ability in the Super Bowl, which, if anybody even remembered that boring game, uh, but, yeah. He also did it against the Falcons, too. He he had a scramble then. Yeah. He, he does it when he needs there. to. When he absolutely needs to, he does it. And that's yeah. why every, that's why it catches everybody by surprise. Very true. Very true. <laughs> um, but uh, we've ran out a little long uh, today, but we're, we're going to be packed full of great subjects. But this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, we now move on to the trivia, where we'll make it a little bit shorter here. But, you, of course, your guess is about as good as mine. Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer them, give you a little commentary on it, knowledge uh, about it. But let's go ahead and start with that first question. Go ahead, Muhammad. First question. Which of the following teams overcame the biggest deficit to win a game in NFL history? A, Indianapolis Colts. B, Cleveland Browns, or C, New England Patriots? Wow, this is extremely hard because I have no idea. <laughs> like, um, well, wow. when, it, when it came to this question, um, people were bringing up that the Cowboys might have had the best comeback ever if they would have came back, came back against the Pack. Uh-huh. Um, but it didn't happen, so that's how this question came about. Okay. Uh like, I'm not saying it's a bad question. I'm just saying I have no idea what this question is. Um, so uh, repeat it for him again, question and answer. And I'll which, which of the following teams overcame the biggest deficit to win, in, to win a game in NFL history? A, Indianapolis Colts, B, Cleveland Browns, or C, New England Patriots? God, this is... Very, very hard. And I feel like it's the Patriots, but I don't think it's the Browns. I think they're just losers when they become losers. <laughs> Not that they'd be too down on them. Uh, and what was the first team again? Indianapolis Colts. The Colts. Ugh. Now, you would have got me if you said the Tennessee Titans. Just 
I, I just would have chosen him if that was a selection. Um, due to the Music City Miracle, even though they had to do nothing with coming back. Uh, well, it kind of did, but not fully. Um, so I'm just going to answer. I'll say the New England Patriots. That is wrong. Oh. And I'm pretty sure the game that you're referring to is the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. No, 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 not that one. The Music City Miracle is the one where... Uh, no, I'm, they, I mean, as far as the Patriots. Patriots oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> yes. But um, the answer actually is the Indianapolis Colts mm. whenever they went against the Kansas City Chiefs in the 2014 playoff game when they were down by a lot. And then the Chiefs started uh, getting all these players injured, and then Andrew Luck brought them back from that big deficit. They were down by 28. I only partly remember that. Like, I, I have a small memory of that, but only because you brought it up. Um, but let's go to the second question. What currently active NFL player has the most defensive player of the year awards? A, Aaron Donald, B, J.J. Watt, or C, Luke Keekley? Ooh, this is hard because these are really good defensive players. They've all had their own little bit of an error. Uh, all right, so just repeat it again for them, and I'm gonna, I'll go ahead and try to answer quick here. What currently active NFL player has the most defensive player of the year award? A, Aaron Donald, B, J.J. Watt, or C, Luke Keekley? Man, this is a hard, hard question. I honestly think it's J.J. Watt. I know Sam Donald would be the easy answer because he's recently been really good uh, in these past years. And Luke Keekley is not a bad choice either. He's been a really good player for the Panthers. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with J.J. Watt. That is correct, actually. Ah. <laughs> so Aaron Donald has won the past two years. Um, Khalil Mack won in 2016. Then Luke Keekley won. I mean, no, J.J. Watt won in 2015, 2014. Luke Keekley 2013. Then J.J. Watt in 2012. I was thinking it would be better off to go to J.J. Watt. He was very dominant for a good long while, but he's kind of slacking off. Well, not slacking off, but falling off this year. Um, we're going to meet, uh, go to the last third question and then meet you next Wednesday. We're going to be packed full of uh, the most interesting stories and in sports. Go ahead with that last question, Mohammed. Which of the following college football programs has won a national title in the past 10 years not named Alabama or Clemson. A, Florida State, B, LSU, or C, Oklahoma. And you said won a national championship? Yeah, national championship, not not named Alabama or Clemson mm, in the past 10 hard. years. Because that's, that's really, it's not super hard uh, if you kind of know, because that's definitely a little bit easier to to figure out. Now, in the past... Five years, there's nothing but Clemson and Alabama. Alabama is at least in, what, seven of those last ten? So, of course, not those names. Um, But go ahead again with the question and answer, and then I'll go ahead and answer it up. Which of the following college football programs has won a national title in the past ten years, not named Alabama or Clemson? A, Florida State. B, LSU. Or C, Oklahoma? Uh, I really don't think that 
like if it's LSU, it's very early in that year. I mean, uh, early in this uh, ten years. Like, ah, like I can see it being LSU, but it's. Uh, I'm gonna review these answers here now. Oklahoma, they've had a whole lot of Heisman Trophy winners recently. But for some reason, I do not think they won the national championship. Uh, there was Ohio State has won it against Alabama. But all right, so I'm going to go with LSU. I'm going to go with LSU. That's wrong. Oh, go ahead. who is it? It's actually Florida State with Jameis Winston what? in 2013. You wow. remember that? That was against Auburn. I, I, I really kind of don't remember it. Like, I, I couldn't. Like I really couldn't see Florida State winning the national championship in this past ten years. I don't know why not. Yep, they won with Jameis Winston in twenty thirteen. Uh, yeah, I knew he won the Heisman, but I could not. I, I don't know why I don't remember him uh, winning the national championship. But the last time LSU won was two thousand seven, so it was just out of that ten year mark. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, it, it's it's been a lot today. Uh, but don't forget to. Press the subscribe button. Uh, You have been listening to So You Think You Know Sports. Good night.